Genesis chapter 3, and beginning at verse 8. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee, that thou shouldest not eat? And the man said, The woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. We shall leave uh, it there. We're continuing our studies in uh, this amazing, uh, informative, eye-opening book of uh, Genesis, and especially this uh, chapter, uh, Genesis chapter 3, uh, really opens our eyes uh, and helps us to understand uh, the, the world in which we live, helps us so much to understand ourselves, helps us to understand why there is so much resistance to the gospel, as we will see in an especial way uh, tonight. Why people run from God. They should be running towards Him, isn't it? They should be all for God. But they're blind, they cannot see, they're hardened. People are hardened. We were hardened once until we were revived uh, by the Spirit and brought to Christ. But we were so averse to God. And there's this natural averseness that is in every man, every woman, and that's the result, as we see here, of the fall of man. Once man loved God, fellowship with God, longed to be near to him, now he wants to run and he wants to hide away from him. But what a change has taken place uh, in man since he fell. Well, we saw last week how Adam and Eve, they uh, succumbed uh, to the temptation. Eve was deceived tempted by the enemy, uh, by the, the serpent, uh, the, the, the Satan, using the serpent to tempt her, and uh, she fell for the temptation. And she was uh, taken in by all uh, the things that were represented to her in the eating of that uh, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But when Adam, and Adam fell, well, it wasn't only him that fell, it was also we who fell with him because Adam was our representative. He was representing the whole of mankind. He was representing you and me. If he had stood, we would have stood also. We would have been righteous. We would have been born righteous. But because he fell, well, so we all also fell uh, with him. And so that sinful nature, since the fall of Adam and Eve, 
it's been passed down uh, to all of us. But when, he, when they took of that fruit, when they uh, uh, disobeyed uh, the Lord, all sorts of things happened to them. And uh, he, almost immediately we can see the effects of the fall. Sin now, pride, covetousness, lust, all these things have now invaded them. Their hearts now are polluted. It's sin has pervaded every part of their being already. Their mind, their heart, uh, and their will. Innocence has gone. That innocence and that uh, uh, absence of the knowledge of uh, evil has gone. And now they know in an experiential way uh, the, the evil of sin and uh, uh, that averseness to God. Man has become depraved. Totally depraved, as we say. Not, uh, not fully depraved in the sense that he cannot do good, but in the sense that sin has affected every part of his being, his mind, his heart, and his will. Nothing he can do now can be absent, in a sense, from that taint of sin. Even the good works that he does is going to be tainted, really, with sin because he often does it for his own glory instead of uh, for his maker and out of love uh, for uh, his maker. But uh, we will carry on uh, from where we left off, more or less. We, we left uh, Adam and Eve. In verse 7, the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves to, together and made themselves apron. Here they were. They, this is just after they've taken up that fruit. And no one, as we said last week, was accusing them. No one was pointing a finger at them at this point. No one was saying, had apprehended them and said, what have you done? It was their own conscience. Their own conscience made them realize what we've done is terrible. And this, uh, the sense of that uh, uh, guilt uh, upon their conscience brought also uh, shame uh, upon them. And they should really have gone straight to their best friend, to the Lord, and confessed their sin immediately uh, to him. They should have gone looking for him, crying out for him. But instead, we read that they made uh, this uh, uh, fig leaves, these aprons of uh, fig leaves, and tried to cover their nakedness. Before they were unashamed about their nakedness, now their guilt has come in. There's, there's a sense of embarrassment and shame about it. And so they try and cover not only their nakedness, but they try to cover also their guilt. And that's also a picture, friends, of what uh, people are trying uh, to, to do today. Instead of people acknowledging their sin and their guilt uh, to God, they try and cover up. They try and uh, uh, cover it up with something that is uh, man-made. They feel guilty, they know that they're guilty, but maybe they will cover it up with some form of morality and some uh, code of conduct, some sort of self-righteousness, we can say. Or I, I try and live a good life. I try and do the best that I can in life. I try not to harm anyone. And that will make me good enough to get to heaven and to be approved by God. It's a form of self-righteousness. And people try and use this as a means to uh, prevent them, as a uh, word, from coming and acknowledging I've sinned, I'm guilty before God, God must forgive me. 
Uh, and this is so common, and uh, many of us can testify, this is how we were before we became believers. But then uh, verse 8, uh, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The cool of the day, the, the word then is uh, wind. And it speaks of when a cool breeze was, was blowing uh, in the evening, a nice, like a summer's day, you could say. And uh, here God comes, as he has done uh, previously, comes to fellowship with his friends, comes to commune with them as he has done before. Some people uh, think that this is the pre-incarnate Christ, who is uh, the Son of God, who has come in human form, maybe the first theophany. We cannot be uh, sure about it, but some people are convinced it is this. But either way, it's God coming, uh, the Lord God, the owner of paradise, the owner of that garden, the one who's put all those wonderful things in place uh, to uh, meet uh, and seek out uh, his Adam and Eve, his, his friends. He doesn't come with anger. He knows what's happened. He knows they've fallen, but he's not coming with anger or, th or thunder. Adam and Eve are not hiding because God has come in a, in a thunderous way to scare them and frighten them. No, he comes uh, in, as he has always done with them. In, we could say in a gentle way he approaches, as if he is unaware even of what has happened. But he can't see his friends. They are, no, they are hiding uh, from him, hiding amongst the trees and the bushes of the garden. Fear has gripped them. They're afraid for the first time of God. They're afraid of him, afraid of, of judgment because they feel their guilt. And they've also, we could say, become a little bit uh, foolish uh, in their behavior because look, here they are, uh, they're trying to hide behind the trees and bushes uh, from God who can see everything and from God who is everywhere present. And you, it's almost uh, a little bit ridiculous isn't it, to, if to see the picture of them trying to hide behind the trees uh, and uh, the bushes. Well, friends, it's the same in our day. That's what we are like also. That's what the unconverted person is like also because of that consciousness of guilt. He doesn't know how to deal with it as he should. And because of that guilt, he also wants to hide from God. He doesn't face up to it. He wants to run away from God instead of seeking the Lord for forgiveness. Man is always trying to hide from the Lord rather than acknowledge his sin. He's too proud. He's become too proud to admit I'm guilty. He doesn't like to do that. Uh, I'm, I'm a sinner. And so he'd rather uh, live with his guilt-ridden conscience and at a distance from God than come and make an open confession of his sin. And he also, we can say even today, people rather uh, foolishly think that God doesn't see them. God isn't aware of them. Oh, especially today, or oh, in that time, yeah, maybe there were only two people on the earth. It was easy for God. But now there are billions of people in the world, six billion people in the world. It's easy, isn't it, to hide? Oh, well, I'm just one person among so many. How can God know about me? How can he find out about me? How can he know what I'm thinking, what I'm doing? God, uh, God can't, uh, can't do that. How can God be aware 
of me and of my sin. How can he find me out? People think like that, isn't it? You may have heard of the, 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 uh, the car thief. And uh, I think this is fairly recent, but there was a car thief. And uh, he was also, not only, not only had stolen the car, but he is also driving while disqualified. And furthermore, he'd gone and taken petrol without, and driven off without paying for it. Well, the, the police caught up with him, or less, they, they knew who he was. They went to his home, and they searched the home, and, and initially they couldn't find him. But then as, uh, they, they heard some breathing coming from a giant teddy bear. And they, there was the man. He was hiding a giant teddy bear. And uh, he was discovered. Foolish, isn't it? He thinks he could hide in a giant a teddy bear from the police. Well, friends, we're like that. We're so foolish, really. We think, oh, I can hide from God. He can't see me. He won't find me out. He won't discover me. But he will. It's so easy for him because he is the God who is everywhere and who sees everything and who knows uh, everything. Well, friends, uh, <coughs> uh, people uh, do this today. And the Bible tells us that even at the end of time, when the Lord Jesus returns uh, to this world, people even then will try and hide uh, from God. You know the scripture very well. Uh, Revelation chapter 6 and verse 15 to 17, I read it to you. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men, all these high-flying high men and the, uh, the bondmen, the servants, and every free man uh, hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who shall be able to stand? Well, that's a day, they, it really is a day to be afraid because there they're going to be, God is coming in judgment. But even there, of course, uh, people will be discovered. But in this verse, we see a, a more gracious picture. Uh, God is coming. Uh, it's, it's almost we can say that we can see the gospel uh, even uh, in this verse because God is coming in a gentle way. He knows what they have done. He is aware of their sin, but he comes looking for him and he comes willing to, uh, to pardon and forgive. And this is our role as well as those who preach the gospel and who witness to the gospel, well, we, uh, we go out uh, and we preach uh, to persuade men to come out of their hiding places, to come out and meet God, to come out and confess their sin and find and obtain uh, peace also with the Lord. Well, verse 9 uh, goes on in a similar uh, tone in a sense. The Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Uh, what's happened to you? Uh, where, uh, where are you? Why haven't you come out to, to meet me and to greet me and to fellowship me uh, uh, as before? It's said with a view to bring Adam to uh, confession. Uh, this is also a very good text for, for the gospel, isn't it? Uh, some, uh, something, a message for every unconverted person. Where are you? Where are you? Why are you hiding uh, from God? Uh, come out into the open. Tell me what you have done. Here I am. I'm willing, God says, to be reconciled to you, to forgive your sin. Uh, hide uh, no longer. And then verse 10, 
the Lord said, or sorry, Adam said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Finally, Adam emerges from behind the trees. He knows he can hide no longer. And now he gives an account of his actions. He has to because God has made him responsible for his actions. But look, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't actually confess his sin as yet. He's only, what he says is actually, uh, in verse 10, I heard, I heard thy voice in the garden, I was afraid, because I was naked. He doesn't say, I've sinned. He doesn't say, I took, I, I broke the commandment. I did, uh, I did what I shouldn't have done. Rather, he's saying, I feel guilty. I, I feel ashamed. Uh, he's only talking about the consequences of his sin. He's not actually mentioning uh, his sin itself. I was, I was naked, he says. He's, it's interesting, actually, because actually, he still uh, feels that he is naked even, uh, and, and, he has, and is ashamed, even though he's wearing those fig, fig leaf aprons. He still feels uh, that he is, uh, he is naked. And uh, here we see him, he only mentions the consequences of his sin, not his actual uh, disobedience and his sin itself. So the Lord uh, goes on uh, questioning him. Again, verse 11, as if God knows, doesn't know what's happened. This is Adam being tried, Adam being questioned, interrogated uh, by the Lord. And again, the Lord is doing it in such a way to bring Adam to confession. Finally, in verse uh, 12, well, verse 11, the Lord said to him, Who told thee? that thou wast naked. Hast thou eaten of the tree, whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? And the man, then he confesses. But look at the way that he, he confesses. He says, I, I did it. I did eat in, at the end. But he says, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I uh, did eat. It's, uh, it's her fault. If the woman uh, wasn't there, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have done it. He blames uh, her. She gave me of the fruit. She persuaded uh, me to do it. It's her fault. And also, look, he's not only blaming the woman, he's also blaming God. The woman you gave me. Uh, it's a finger at the woman. He's pointing, and a finger also at God. And see, see, friends, uh, what sin has done. Not only has it alienated us from our, our maker and our best friend, but also brings some alienation between a husband and his, uh, his wife. And now they are, uh, Adam is uh, criticizing and blaming uh, his wife. Before, when she was first came to him, well, he was on cloud nine. He was so ecstatic to see her. Oh, she is bone. This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. And he was so overjoyed to see his wife for the first time. And now, look what's happened. Now he is shifting the blame for his uh, sin to his helpmeet. She persuaded me. She's the one who made me do it. If you hadn't given me to her, given her to me, well, I, wouldn't, I would not have uh, disobeyed. 
uh, it's her fault. The Lord doesn't actually reply uh, to, to Adam. Adam stand aside. And uh, she now, the Lord now interrogates uh, Eve in verse uh, 13. The Lord said to the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And again the woman said, yeah, I did it. But she too engages in this blame game. The serpent uh, beguiled me. She also claims mitigating circumstances. Oh, the serpent deceived me. He is the one who led me astray. He told me a pack of lies. He flattered, flattered me. And he, he promised me wisdom and this and this and this. And I, I believed him. And he said that I would be like God. And, and he told me that I, I would, would not die. And uh, I fell for these things. Well, she's, she's, not, she's, she's speaking the truth. These things did happen. But it's also her responsibility. She too shifts the blame to the serpent. Uh, but uh, it's also her, her own uh, fault. And once again, we see this in the fallen man today. Instead of blaming himself, instead of pointing the finger at himself, he finds other things. It's in my genes. I get angry. I lose my temper because that's the way I'm wired. I can't help it. That's the way things are. I, I do this and this and this, which is wrong and I shouldn't do it. But it's in my genes. We blame something else. Well, today, we often hear people saying, well, I have this uh, sexual attraction to people of, uh, uh, of, of the same sex as, as me because that's the way God made me. It's, it's God made me like this. I can't help it. It's not my fault. And people uh, are blaming uh, God uh, for their sinful uh, feelings and their sinful uh, attractions. And that happens uh, so uh, often. Well, the Lord, in verse 14, then uh, turns to the serpent uh, itself. Adam and Eve have been interrogated. But look, no, look, there's no interrogation of the serpent. It's just a judgment. Uh, he doesn't deserve any. There's no, what have you done or why have you done it? It's straight into uh, judgment. Because thou hast done this, Thou art cursed above all cattle. Mercy, and the reason being because uh, mercy and uh, pardon is going to be extended to the man and the woman, but not for the serpent, not for Satan. Only uh, judgment is, uh, is going to be his, his portion. But here in verse 14, who is, uh, who is the curse uh, being directed to? Uh, the Lord God said unto the serpent, is it the literal serpent or is it actually uh, Satan? Well, we would say it's uh, both. Both the, the first part uh, being towards the literal serpent and the second part uh, uh, more uh, to the devil. The serpent, the literal serpent was punished because it was the uh, instrument, the agent uh, of uh, Satan. And so it was uh, cursed, it was uh, humbled, it was brought uh, to this very low position to thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go and dust shalt thou eat all the days of uh, thy life. This was, uh, this was its, uh, 
how it was to be uh, for this. Some people, some people think that the serpent uh, had legs and uh, the curse put it, uh, caused it to uh, go on, onto its belly and to slither around after that time. But there's, it's not necessarily so, I think. But uh, here uh, we see that the, the main point is that it was uh, made to be the lowest of all animals. It was the humbling of the serpent that is in mind. And it was to be cursed above all cattle. So that it's a horrible thing, isn't it? When you look at all the animals, almost all the animals, uh, they, they have legs and they lift up their heads and they walk. But the very lowest part and the dirty part, the dusty part, is where the, the snakes uh, slither and, and slime away. And uh, even we, of course, we have a natural revulsion uh, for, for snakes. But also the animals, they themselves, so, or so many animals, they also find a snakes uh, disgust or, or repellent, and they also uh, run uh, from them. So uh, the curse here initially is for, uh, towards uh, the serpent. And then verse 15, and I will put enmity between thee and uh, the woman. And again, uh, you remember the, uh, the beginning of the chapter, chapter 3, verse 1, he was talking very freely uh, with the serpent. She was not scared. She was not afraid. Uh, she didn't run from it. Uh, but now there's an enmity going to come in between them. And now we see, while we all uh, find snakes repellent, I think it's uh, women especially uh, find them uh, repulsive and disgusting. And so even in the literal way, uh, this, this verse uh, can be taken. But let's look especially at the next two parts, because uh, <coughs> let me read it. I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. That is, between the serpent's seed, which you would take as the unregenerate people, the unsaved people, and her seed, which would be uh, the, those, who, those who are uh, believers. And so, from this point onwards, there's going to be uh, a, a division, there's going to be an enmity between those who are Christians and those who are not. Those who are believers in the, in the living God and those who are rebels uh, against, against him. And this we, we find all the way uh, from Genesis uh, through uh, th uh, Revelation. As you read, you'll see this antagonism between uh, these two groups. Even when you read church history, it's so obvious there. You will see that how the, the Christians have been uh, opposed and persecuted and hated. And even in our own day, why? Why is there this persecution that we still hear about in this modern age. Why is it still happening? Why are believers who only want to worship God and serve Him, uh, that's all they desire to do, why are they being hounded? Why are they being arrested? Why are they being uh, put in prison? Well, it's because uh, the, the enemy is behind them, influencing uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, their enemies to do these things, to persecute uh, the Lord's uh, people. So that's what's in mind here, the enmity between believers and unbelievers. And then the last bit is an especial reference to that conflict uh, between Christ and uh, Satan. 
It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It, a, a reference to uh, Christ, the Messiah, who will come from the woman's head. It shall bruise uh, thy heel, thy head, sorry. You know, in the head of the serpent, it's, of course, it's the most important part. It, with its eyes, it uh, hypnotizes people. Uh, with its, in, in, its, in its head, it's got its venom and everything. Well, that is, that is going to be crushed. The devil's head is going to, to be uh, crushed. When the Lord uh, comes and he dies on Calvary, he's going to destroy the evil one. He's going to destroy uh, his schemes. He's going to ruin his works. He said that he would come. Uh, when he came, I've come to destroy the works of the devil. And at Calvary, friends, the Lord Jesus disarmed the, the devil and he stripped him of his power and he gave, uh, it was a complete uh, crushing of the evil one, spoiling uh, principalities and powers. And while Christ was doing that, well, it was permitted for the devil to bruise his heel. That is, uh, he was permitted through men uh, to, to wound Christ, to hurt Christ to a, a, a small degree, but he wouldn't be able to overcome him. He wouldn't be able uh, to destroy him. So this is the first, we would say, gospel promise. The first promise of the Messiah who was going to come. And it was said in the presence of Adam and Eve. What an encouragement for them. They had just fallen. They had been hiding from God. But now before they are cast out, before they are expelled from the Garden of Eden, they have this promise to hold on to. That a Messiah uh, is coming who will destroy the works of the devil, of the, of the serpent. But also Satan would hear these things. He was there and he would have heard this uh, pronouncement against him and that he, of his end and he would have been terrified. He would have been trembled uh, to know uh, once again of his, uh, his end and his uh, destruction. So we leave it uh, at uh, this point and God willing in our next study we will continue looking at the curse in a little bit more detail and the punishment that came to man, the outward punishments that were placed on man as a result of the fall. But the damage is done. The damage is done. Maybe we could say the greater damage has already been done in the sense of man's inward change. The outward things are going to be bad. It's going to be harder for women to, conceive, in, in, to give birth it's going to be harder for man uh, to gain his daily bread. He's going to have to do it through the sweat uh, uh, and through hard work. That's the external things. But the internal changes that have happened as a result of the fall, this aversion to God, uh, this uh, distance from God, surely that is far worse. Well, thank God we have a remedy in Christ, uh, a Savior who restores us to uh, communion with God and to uh, a desire for our God and we thank God for that work of the Spirit still uh, through the gospel reconciling men, fallen men and women to their God and their maker.